Today on Ag News Daily. Everybody's pretty tired of so much corruption, so hopefully, hopefully, maybe in the near future, we are going to, to solve our problems and maybe get stronger from those situations. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Pearson. It is a Friday. It is May 19th, to be exact. And this is the Ag News Daily Podcast. Joining me is my co-host, Delaney Howell. Delaney, how are you doing? I'm good, Mike. I'm ready for the weekend, but I'm not liking this cold weather. No kidding. We had uh, storms come through the Iowa vicinity. What was that, mm-hmm. Thursday night? Uh, I think it was Wednesday, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, Thursday, it would have been Wednesday because yesterday was Thursday. Right. Yeah, it was Wednesday night. And so, you know, there was substantial damage up in north central Iowa. Yeah. The town of Green had some damage. Uh, high winds all across Nebraska, southwest Iowa, up to the north. And Delaney, we had some damage on the uh, the Pearson Ranch. You did? We did. I didn't get to mention this yesterday, but I have a, uh, I think it's a nine-ton bulk bin that was sitting mm-hmm. on skids. And it's empty because, I've you know, I haven't filled it. And it blew over onto my Alice Chalmers 7060. The one that you just got fixed? No, that's the Kubota 9580. I know, but I thought you had something wrong with your Alice Chalmers, too. My other Alice Chalmers, the 180, still has a bum hydraulic pump. And that's a $2,200 part. That's that's half of what I paid for the tractor. I was going to say, do you need the tractor that bad? Nope. (laughs) <laughs> so, so it's just sitting in the shed. But no, it, uh, gonna... it dented the 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 side panel on the hood of my 7060, which made me very sad. Mm. But well, that's a lot better than some other folks had it that same night. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, so then it brought in this cold front, and it's almost June, and it's like 50 degrees outside. Yeah, I got out my winter coat today. You did? I did. I was wearing my Carhartt to do chores this morning. Oh. Yeah. It, it was, was... It's, yeah. It was chilly. My, chilly. my ducks were a bit nippy. I bet they were. And you better bring them inside. Oh, no. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. They need to come inside and get warm. No, they don't. They've got a heat lamp. I turned <laughs> okay. on. Oh, okay, good. they got to get tough. Okay. As, as Johnny Cash said in A Boy Named Sue, I knew you'd have to either get tough or die. And that's where these ducks oh are. <laughs> oh. oh, those poor guys. Builds character. Yeah, okay. Well, right. Mike, what do you have for news today? Well, I'm very excited. So, uh, listeners, if you tuned in to us yesterday when we were talking to Jim Burns, we also had a conversation before the interview about the troubles that are going on in Brazil. There is impeachment talk in Brasilia, the capital of Brazil, just as there is impeachment talk in the capital of D.C. That talk continues today, and uh, we will be joined later in this podcast by a visiting Brazilian. We'll be joined by a young man pursuing his uh, graduate work at Northwest Missouri State named Pedro Fajira, who is from Brazil, and he's going to give us his insights. But to kick off the show, I did have just one other uh, piece of Brazil news. Uh, President Michel Temer on Friday, so this morning, really started to question the legality of the recording that has caught him allegedly endorsing hush money to an ex-lawmaker. And he says he will not uh, step down. He's going to fight this. He did nothing wrong. And protests have sprung up once again across the country down in Brazil. Yeah, we do have a good interview coming up. And I was really impressed with the knowledge he had about what has been going on. I mean, staying even here in America, he definitely was very knowledgeable. And so I'm really excited to get to that interview here in just a little while. 
Yeah, for sure. Now, so that's the news out of there, and I did just want to give a quick update. The Brazilian real was off about 8% yesterday. Today, it's it's a little stronger, but it's a little stronger because the dollar has found some weakness. So that's really what's what's driving it there. It's not necessarily that there's more confidence in Brazil. So that's where we're setting the stage for today. But there's other things going on in the world of agriculture, right, Delaney? There are a few other things. Honestly, I was uh, working pretty hard to find us an interview today for today, so I didn't have as much time to do some searching for news. So I just have a few small things to share. The US, uh, USDA reported that ag exports have been riding a 57-year surplus streak. Last year, total ag commodity exports totaled $135 billion, and that's $1.8 billion higher than 2015. That is good news because we love that is good news. shipping grains and livestock overseas. We also mm-hmm. love converting some of this corn stockpile into ethanol. So that's another piece of news today. Poet, the uh, large ethanol producer, is set to double the capacity of their Marion, Ohio plant. This was announced by Poet this morning. They're going to have more than double the capacity. Right now, that plant is producing nearly 70 million gallons a year. And by next year, they want to have it producing 150 million uh, gallons a year and they're going to be of course producing nearly double the amount of ethanol but never forget when ethanol comes out so does ddgs distillers dried Mm -hmm. grains modified grains gluten you name it and so they're saying with this expansion high protein animal feed production will also grow from 178,000 tons to approximately 360 thousand tons of uh, of animal feed so all of that wow. stuff yeah a lot of it probably going to be railed uh west and south for cattle feed yards i imagine a fair amount of it will be fed to pork and broilers right in that vicinity Mm-hmm. i imagine you're probably right mike Uh, The only other story I really had for today was that the Labor Department has released some data showing that the H-2A temporary visa program has had record numbers in the first couple of months here in President Trump's presidency. From January 1st until March 31st, farmers filed 4,100 applications to hire almost 71,000 guest workers through that H-2A visa program, which is up 36% from a year ago. The interesting thing I thought was I didn't realize that there were all sorts of restrictions to this H-2A visa program. And it's going to take me a little bit of research to remember what the new revisions are that President Trump is proposing to this program. But under the current restrictions, If an ag business wants to employ foreign workers under that H-2A program, it must first show that it can't find willing and able workers, that the hiring of temporary workers won't adversely affect wages of U.S. workers, and that the job is seasonal. So Hmm. just an interesting little little tidbit there about that H-2A visa program. Yeah, so it's it's – Temporary work. That's the H-2A. Yes. Okay. That's right. Gotcha. Well, and I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about uh, agriculture's requirements for labor as next, uh, let's see, when's the 25th? Is that next Next Friday? Next week. Yeah, I think so. Today's the 19th, so whatever that is. So on the 25th, <laughs> let's just go with that. The Thursday. Oh, it's right there. It says date, Thursday, May 25th. Gosh. It's a Friday, ladies and gentlemen. My brain is checked out. <laughs> uh, so Thursday, May 25th, 
Senator Pat Roberts and uh, Debbie Stabenow are beginning the Ag Committee's Farm Bill hearings in Washington. And they're kicking it off next Thursday, as I said, finally, with a, uh, with a hearing entitled Examining the Farm Economy, semicolon, Perspectives on Rural America. They haven't announced the witnesses yet, but they will announce that prior to the hearing. So here in the next week, we will learn who will be testifying, who will be helping shape the views that uh, will shape the Farm Bill of 2018. That's all really exciting stuff, Mike. Isn't it? Edge of your seat. Mm-hmm. Edge of your seat excitement. Oh, Delaney, <laughs> before we get to Pedro's interview, I had one other piece of information. So a couple weeks ago, we talked to Chad Colby. And uh, Chad Colby, of course, big fan of drones. And drones, or remote-controlled you know, aircraft, whatever you want to call them, unmanned aerial vehicles, UAVs, they are all regulated by the FAA. But... There was a, uh, a plaintiff named John Taylor who just flies a drone for recreational purposes, doesn't make any money doing it, and he took the FAA to court and said, you don't have the right to regulate my drone, and the D.C. Appeals Court agreed with him and struck down part of the FAA's uh, drone regulations. So as it stands today, if you were just flying a drone for a hobby, you do not have to register it with Uncle Sam. All right. That's good news for a lot of people out there, I'm sure. I imagine it is, yeah. With that, Mike, uh, do you have any other news for us today? I have some market news. All right. Why don't you read us today's closing market prices? Let's do that. Let's take a look at the closing prices because there is a fair amount of green on the screen today. Let's start with corn. July corn closed up today, six and a half cents, finishing at 372 and a half. December corn up six and a quarter, closing at 390 and a quarter. Over in soybeans, after yesterday's big slide to the downside, we did bounce back. July beans climbed, excuse me, climbed eight and a quarter cents to close at 953 even. November beans up seven cents, finished the day at 951 and three quarters. Looking at Chicago wheat, they even shared in this rally a little bit today. July wheat up nine and a half cents, closed at 435 and a quarter. December wheat up eight and a quarter cents, closed at 469 and three quarters. Jumping over to the livestock world. Let's take a look over there and see exactly what we've got going on. Beginning in live cattle, we're going to start with the June live cattle contract. They climbed 52.5 cents to close the day at 123.45. August live cattle up $1.40, finished at 121.05. Jumping down to the feeder cattle. Feeders, the front month, August contract up $1.10, closed at 150.45. September feeder cattle up 97.5 cents, finished at 150.22.5. Looking at lean hogs, the focus of yesterday's conversation with Jim Burns, we're getting closer to that $80 mark here on the front month June contract. Hogs closed up 35 cents, finished the day at $79.50. July lean hogs up 90 cents, closed above $80 at $80.17 and a half. One quick look at the June milk contract. Again, some strength of 12 cents, finished the day at $16.32. Now, we will also be talking a lot about currencies for the next couple of weeks, and a lot of that is related to Brazil. And with that being said, should we turn it over to Pedro and get the idea, get an idea of what's going on in Brazil from a Brazilian? Yes, I think we should. I am really excited to announce uh, today we are taking the Ag News Daily Podcast International. We have Pedro Ferreira from Sao Paulo, Brazil, 
and Pedro, I'll let you tell the city here in a second, but really quick, Pedro is a is a master's student at Northwest Missouri State, and he is going for spray technology and crop protection. Pedro, tell our listeners the city uh, from where you are from. Sure. So I'm from the countryside of Sao Paulo State. Uh, I live in the city Ribeirão Preto, which is about, I'll say, three hours from this Sao Paulo city. Now, Pedro, I was going to ask, for those of us in America, when we hear Brazil talked about, a lot of the time, especially in the world of agriculture, we end up talking about Mato Grosso State. Where are you from in relation to Mato Grosso? You'd be to the south of it, correct? South and... Yeah, correct. I mean, yeah, yeah. We have two states called Mato Grosso. Also, like, we have more Mato Grosso and south Mato Grosso. So Mato Grosso is the first one that would be in north part, and the one that would be in south part is called Mato Grosso do Sul. So okay. Sao Paulo State, it's in the border on the west side, west part of Brazil, which would be about, from Mato Grosso, about five or six hours. Gotcha. Okay. From Sao Paulo, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, Mato Grosso would be in the west part of Brazil, maybe. Pedro, tell us how um, is Brazil's political system set up? Obviously, you have a, a, a president, but is it a democratic state similar to the United States's, or is it very different? No, actually, it's pretty accurate. It's pretty similar here from the U.S. We live in a democracy as well. Um, all the system and all the structure is pretty similar. We have president, we have a senate, we have a congress and has Supreme Court as well, so it's pretty much about the same. Um, what happened last year, um, I don't know if everybody knows, but last year our former president, Dilma Rousseff, she got impeached by some administrative dishonesty, which was a legal process, and she got impeached. And then after her vice president, he got in, in charge of the country, and that's what Nowadays, especially yesterday, and a few days later, he's getting some accusations on. So, so mainly we have a pretty similar um, structure with the U.S. Okay, so the current president um, is his name pronounced? Is it Michael Temer? Uh, it's Michel Temer. Michel Temer. He was Belarus's vice president. Yes. He okay. Was. Yeah. And as we've been watching the news here over the past couple days, there's allegations that, I guess there's now proof, the tapes have been released, that uh, allegedly he was encouraging the president of JBS, the packing plant, to continue paying off Eduardo Cunha to, to, to keep his mouth shut effectively about what happened during the impeachment process. What, what does that mean? Uh, help us uh, in America understand that a little bit. Is it, I mean, truly... Uh -huh. Did he get the presidency by illegal means, does it seem like? No, no, he didn't get the presidency by illegal means at all. I mean, it was a legal process. He was, he, he, was, the, he was the next one to be the president if you know, Dilma w would be impeached. So it was pretty much like here, if Trump gets impeached, uh, the vice president gets in charge. Okay. Um, what's happening right now is JBS, they were getting investigations. They were getting investigated like in the few months ago, and Joe Esley, who is one of the partners that are in charge of JBS, he, before getting legal investigation, he went to talk to the president in a private conversation, and he tapped the conversation. So in order he, he could get an agreement 
with the federal police. Mm. So mm. he set up the conversation and he asked stuff, he asked things, um, trying to, um, how can I say, try to encourage the president to say some things that he would like to, to listen and to present to the police. So mm -hmm. what's happening, uh, two days ago in Brazil, the media, a specific journal, O Globo, Mm -hmm. um, came up with the news saying that the president would be encouraging, encouraging people um, um, to pay for a guy who's been investigated, who's in jail now, to be shut up. So he, he wouldn't be talking to us and if he was paying for like 200 million. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it was big mm -hmm. money. That, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So how will this, how do you think this will affect Brazil's economy and your whole structure? Do you think that the President Temer will be impeached as well? Um, the impeachment process, unfortunately, takes a long time. It's a long process. So we have basically two ways to get the President impeached. One would be for a normal crime case, which would have to go for the Supreme Court. That would take, I don't know, maybe a month or two. The second one would be like by the Congress, so he would ha the Congress would have to have three fourths of votes to get the president impeached, and that as well it's a long process like we had last year and took at least three to four months. The third option is the president resigning, which he said that he's not going to resign. Yeah, he already said that. He said that yesterday. He said that he didn't do nothing wrong, and he wished that it. Um, the investigations keep going, and it's going to prove that he's he's not guilty. So um, I don't know. I mean, I think nowadays, especially in the media, everybody is just they are accusing everybody before the actual investigation. So I, I would say let's keep calm and let's see what new future what's going to happen. But I would say not impeachment for now. For now, not. Maybe okay. resigning. If stuff gets worse, if stuff gets worse, maybe the president might resign. Okay. Now, one of the things that that really caught my attention really is this uh, investigation process has has gone on over three years with the the Operation mm -hmm. Car Wash, and is how prominent JBS and the Batistas are in in Brazil's political world. Here in the U.S., if you're not raising cattle or hogs. You're probably not familiar yeah. with JBS, but down there in Brazil, mm -hmm. those guys must be well-connected. Yes, they are. They are because um, JBS grew up so much in the last years, especially in the PT government, which was led by Dilma Rousseff and our former president, Lula da Silva. Okay. Um, they, got, they had a really good relationship between... And what happened is we have kind of like a, a public bank that was lending money for JBS. And especially the last few years, they got bigger and bigger by public money. So the relationship between government in the past years was pretty good, was pretty tight. So that's why they started to get investigated, because they were investigating by the car wash, as you said, the PT government, the, the former government. And... As a consequence, they started investigating JBS because they had some deals going on between governments. Gotcha. Okay, so that's where the concern yeah. is. Are they taking advantage of the public's money? 
uh, apparently they are. And actually, the ABS brothers, they just said yesterday, or I think it was today, that they feel sorry for whatever all they did. But um, that's the funny part. I mean, they feel sorry, but the federal police released them. They are now, they're not in jail at all now. They are now living in the United States. They are in New York. So huh. that was a pretty good deal, you know. That was a pretty good deal. They basically said, if you can take the president, the current president, you're going to, you're going to get away with the charges. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, hopefully we'll get more justice on that. Yeah. Pedro, Pedro, what has been happening? Have you heard from any back anyone back home um, about what's mm-hmm. been happening to the agriculture system in Brazil since this is all broken out? Well, it's pretty hard to tell because, I mean, unfortunately, every day is a new surprise. So we can mm-hmm. we can predict the, 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 the next day at all, you know, like, I, we never know what's, what's coming next. But, I mean, all the investors, all farmers, I would say the entire country itself is waiting. And we, we, we don't know, really. I mean, for agriculture, what I would say, unfortunately, investors they are going to be worried what's going on in Brazil. We might maybe stop doing some business in Brazil for now. And I don't know, maybe that might affect in the near future supply and demand in, in agriculture chain, and that might maybe, you know, change in interest of ratings and maybe put some input for farmers higher, you know, especially because now after the news yesterday, the dollar in Brazil went so high. The currency. Right. And yeah. Pedro, when, what, what you, uh, when you finish your graduate program, do you plan on moving back to Brazil? I don't know yet. Maybe start doing a PhD here. Maybe doing, um, yeah, maybe continue my academic study. I don't know. But I, I, I intend to go back to Brazil someday. I, uh, my family run a business. Spray, we are a spray contractor, so it's spray for farmers, and I like to help my family on that, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, Pedro, we really appreciate you talking to us so last minute. Has been a really interesting conversation, and please feel free to let me know if you hear anything else about what's been going on in Brazil. Sure, sure, I will. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, yeah. I mean, it, it's so unfortunate because, especially this week, Brazil was coming through um, a wonderful week. I mean, it was we were in a pretty bad crisis last year, and then now we are we were starting to like get the shit going again, you know, and then came these, all these surprises, I mean, it's so bad for all, all the Brazilians. Yeah. Everybody's pretty sad, everybody's pretty tired of so much corruption, so hopefully, hopefully, maybe in the near future, we're, we're going to, to solve our problems and maybe get stronger from those situations. I hope so. I hope so, Pedro. Well, yeah. we'll let you get, get out and have a good weekend, and uh, thanks so much for talking to us. Sure, yeah, thank you. I wish you guys the time. All right, huge thanks to Pedro Fajira for taking the time to be on with us and sharing his perspectives as a citizen of Brazil. Uh, We are going to be checking back in with Pedro. You know, Delaney, as you mentioned at the start of this podcast, it's fascinating how connected he was to Mm -hmm. his culture's political world, his country's political world. Yeah, I think we'd be hard-pressed to find that many Americans who could go that into detail with what's happening here in this country. Yeah, it it it's very apparent to me, or it was very apparent to me when I studied abroad, just 
people would ask me about things going on in America. And I consider myself a pretty knowledgeable person and like to stay, you know, up to date on the news. And there were a lot of things they would ask me that I had no idea what they were talking about. And I'm not bashing on Americans by any means, but just a lot of other countries are very, very fluent in what's going on in their countries. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I guess we've just got so much being awesome to do. We can't always focus on what's happening <laughs> well, in D.C. yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So we're about to embark on the weekend and a fresh week. A fresh set of market news podcasts will begin next week. Do we have anything in the can as of yet, Delaney? We have an interview, I think, lined up for Tuesday to talk soybeans. We have uh, the vice president of the American Soybean Association, I believe, if I remember correctly, is talking to us on Tuesday. Other than that, we got a few other things lined up, and well, it'll be good. It will. Next week should be a good week to talk soybeans, especially as this Brazil thing continues to uh, roil our markets. That's right. That's right. And I think it's exciting. I just wanted to mention it again, but... Pedro was really our first international guest we've had. So we hope to maybe continue down that path, too. Who knows? Maybe Ag News Daily will be a global podcast one That's day. That's right. Global agriculture news every day, <laughs> all day. That's right. Yeah, That's a good that. radio voice. Yeah. yeah. It's my it's my Max Armstrong voice. All, all right. right, Delaney. With all of this being said, what do you think? Is it time to let the people go? Let's let the people go. 